Hello, and welcome back to My Name is Sherman, His Name is Sherman, and of course, a big welcome to those first-time listeners. We appreciate all of you. Uh, great to be with you here, Sherman, on a, uh, gosh, Saturday, last day of the month of July, July 31st. As we all know, this is a conversation and a podcast for Shermans, by Shermans, and about Shermans, and whatever else comes to mind. Um, and today's podcast is our 22nd, I believe, for, the, for those of you keeping score, and gratefully and happily presented, actually sponsored by the Colonial Inn up in northern Michigan, where we spent some time earlier this month, and uh, just a, a really good people there who will take great care of you. And so our thanks to them. Uh, Sherman, you want to keep us rolling here with, uh, with the, your, your observations on uh, the moment? Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you for the intro, Dad. And it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's an observation of the moment, but a moment, a criminally underrated moment, uh, I would say. Uh, no pun intended, as you will soon find out, because my topic for today's episode is The Other Guys, which is a 2010 buddy cop action movie uh, directed by Adam McKay, and uh, he co-wrote it as well, starring Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg as the two leads, but an outstanding cast, uh, including Ava Mendez, Michael Keaton, Steve Coogan, Samuel L. Jackson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Rob Riggle, Damon Waynes Jr., and so on and so forth. A um, little background, just on the production aspect. Uh, it's the fourth of five collabs between Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Um, it's the only one of those not to be co-written by Ferrell. Um, and I think it is, again, a criminally underrated movie. I find it so funny. And I wasn't aware that I had seen the, I guess, you know, unrated or extended version, which I find even funnier because that has some deleted scenes where the actors are just kind of allowed to, to riff and go on as they want to do. Uh, and it is just fantastic. But the theatrical release that I recently saw, again, is also great. So I highly recommend it. Everyone is outstanding. It kind of goes against and blows up, sometimes literally, uh, kind of standard cop movie uh, tropes, both comedic tropes and kind of serious dramatic ones. And, uh, I mean, it's. I'm not, I will admit, not the biggest Mark... Wahlberg fan and I think he is fantastic in it so and if you know me you know that's it's uh, pretty um, surprising of me to admit and say so that is the the greatest endorsement I can give of this movie um, is that you know Wahlberg's amazing and uh, I think more people should see it I wish there was I mean I don't wish for sequels for many things but knowing that there are sequels and remakes and you know reboots of everything seemingly the fact that this didn't get one is shocking and makes me want one. So the other guy's 2010 buddy cop action movie from Will Ferrell 
Adam McKay, and Mark Wahlberg. Highly recommend seeing it, everyone. Great call. We'll, we'll make a, a note of that for sure, Sherman. And so, you know, uh, SAT, not my high point, SAT testing way back when. Um, I guess, relatively speaking, English was my stronger side than math. But help me out if you could, because I'm sure I missed this word. Trope. A little, oh, yeah. what does it mean? I, I, I trip over that. Uh, it's uh, trope. Yes. Do you trip over trope? Uh, it's, uh, you know, a, a com- it's like a cliche. I think of it as like a, you know, an a theme so just like overused themes cliches um i guess cliche is inherently overused that's why it's cliche um so yeah something you know you know again uh to somehow if i could break it down even further yeah something you see all the time in whatever you know a specific Mm -hmm. genre um so yeah and uh kind of buddy cop uh you know i guess a trope would be um, or like you know, an, an over serious detective um, for a, a minimal right. crime, right. Um, I think would be one. And so, or you know, a certain type of music, um, which they use in this. But obviously, since it's comedic, I find it funnier uh, because it's clearly inappropriate. So yeah, I'd say a trope is you know, cliche. To over over serious, you mentioned Sherman. Would mm-hmm. would that Great bit on Johnny Carson, the uh, copper clappers. Would would that somehow fit in as uh, the category or characterization I, of a trope? Because I mean, it's it's such a it's, what do you call it, put on or put up? It's, it's just a remarkable bit between Johnny and um, uh, the, the uh, who was who was the actor? He was like the sergeant. A serious sergeant in a TV show. Anyway, yeah. Oh, I actually, even though I am, I don't know, probably a bigger Carson fan than most people my age. I don't know that is that when he's kind of, um, you know, when he goes to the camera by himself with like a kind of a guest or a helper. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's and it and it's it's alliteration. Claude oh. Cooper, Copper Clappers, Klepto. Ah, um, I don't know that I've seen that one. Yeah, Sorry. Check that one. All right. Well, you you watch the other guys. I'll watch this Carson Copper Clapper. And uh, and with the other guys, what a what a cast! I tell you whose name I didn't hear, and um, may not may not hear uh, if there is a sequel. He got himself a little bit of attention in the last 24, 48 hours. Michael Che. Oh I, yes. I, Getting out there uh, a bit on on uh, social media, Simone, Simone Biles, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He he tends to do that. Um, he's done that a lot. He does. He seems it's it's interesting um, in the sense that if you are successful in comedy, I would imagine even if you didn't have thick skin to begin with. You probably developed it because it's probably taken you a while to become successful, and you know you've had to. Unless you're the rare comedian like Seinfeld, where you know he's on record saying he was basically batting 500 for a few months, and then it was a thousand, which is exceedingly rare. You probably had a lot of bombs, and uh, you know were criticized 
or heckled, whatever it was, along the way. And yet, he is objectively successful in comedy and seems very thin-skinned. And also, I mean, I am on record, if not on this podcast in general. You can joke about whatever you want, um, but it those jokes did seem in pretty poor taste um and he but he kind of you know gets his rocks off doing this he this is not the first time he has done this it surely won't be the last um and i think this is kind of something i don't think he's mentioned it you know cancel culture in this respect or kind of the backlash to it but uh, i think it's related in the sense that you know he is said and says whatever he wants and people you know get upset and that's i think people overreact and say that's like cancel culture Mm -hmm. but people can still say whatever they want and they just have to deal with the consequences so i don't know what's going to happen this kind of this seems to be the most upset people have been but he does get people upset a lot um so i i'm not sure if there will be any consequences uh with respect to either SNL or I believe he has a deal with HBO or HBO Max. I really don't know if there's a difference. Um, but so I don't know uh, if he'll lose any business over it. But I'm not sure why exactly he does it. But every few months he seems to pop up just to purposefully bother people. Anything else on your mind that people, inquiring minds, would like to or should know about? Well, they. They would note that uh, you're in L.A. and I'm in Glenview, mm-hmm. and um, and just back to our, our our Michigan theme and and reference. Uh, a little while ago, kind of the closeout of the month for us up there, uh, an event called Farm Stock. Farm Stock. Um, cousins and a great group of friends of theirs have been bringing together this was the second annual so the first one was two years ago of course last year it didn't happen and they've got um connections into the uh, music scenes in nashville and atlanta and so this year they were able to um, bring up and 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 gather uh, for a, a live performance gosh live outdoor performance under a beautiful summer evening in northern Michigan. John Popper, right, blues traveler, uh, harmonica. He had that, you know, mega hit 20, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple other performers. One really talented guy uh, It plays in the Zach Brown band. Uh, I'll have to look at my cliff notes uh, down the line for his name. And then somebody named McLean, maybe? Who? Edwin McCain. I'll be... Edwin. Yeah, yeah. He's apparently he's he was huge in the Philippines as well. We could well, you know, we can go on a joint tour, us together to the Philippines and then Japan. Yeah, yeah. make maybe, make, it, maybe make a day the, of it. Maybe see that I see something here. The potential that those great group of uh, sponsors up in northern Michigan. Maybe they want to direct some of their their um, entertainment funds and. And put us out on the road, or maybe they, they just want to put us out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Uh, they they can't put out uh, a non-sponsored, uh, zero-grossing production like us. Uh, 
we're untouchable in that sense. Maybe a, a reverse spec. Um, okay. Good. Good. So that's. Um, I, really, we're just at um, kind of the honor about uh, piece at this point, and so a couple thoughts and observations there, Sherman. One is that earlier today, so that's that's not honor about today earlier this morning. Uh, your uncle, my uh, uh, dear brother-in-law Michael, was out in the Long Island Sound with his great friends, old old friends who he grew up with out in the, uh, the New Rochelle area, swimming uh, for Team Claire, uh, 20 plus years now, raise, raising funds for cancer research. It's an outstanding, uh, powerful, uplifting day. So uh, hats off to uh, team, team Claire and uh, Swim Across America. And then um, looking back, I believe, on this day, 1877, Thomas Edison put uh, put in an application or got an application um, uh, that would lead a patent or the equivalent that would lead to the invention of the phonograph, which has, of course, been hugely significant and impactful in, in many of our lives. The pure entertainment that emanates from from playing the vinyl growing up and then coming back to vinyl and the albums, uh, just an absolute joy. I was on a bike ride earlier this morning and rode by one of the two record stores that I used to frequent um, as a kid. So uh, great to, to share that, that piece of uh, history on the day. And um, from here, I'm going to be heading over with an old friend from high school and teammate. We're going to visit our, our track coach and uh, his his wife, uh, and they are just a, a, an amazing couple, uh, wonderful, uh, such great and positive impact on decades and decades of then young men, later on young women who, who he coached, and to a person, um, are, are, we are, each of us and collectively are, are tremendously grateful for the the direction and guidance he provided us. So I'm looking forward to learning yet another uh, piece of wisdom and gem from him today with uh, my old friend Jimmy. So that's that's kind of where we are. What do you think? I think that's pretty pretty great. Uh, shout out to Tommy Eds, as I'm sure he was called, and also shout out to uh, teachers and mentors who make lifelong and uh, positive, lasting impressions. So for, for sure and. And, and for maybe, sure, may, men. So. For sure. <laughs> and maybe not, um, well, yeah, you want to share with us a, a lifelong impression that got jolted a little bit in the last 24, 48 hours with your one of your favorite hometown teams? Um, well, I mean, I, I wish it was a, a lifelong impression in the sense that I knew this or didn't think this would be a possibility. But shout out to true and I mean this, I feel like the word may be tossed around a little bit, but true legends of the sport and of the city, um, specifically Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and Chris Bryant, uh, traded away, I would say, unceremoniously um, from the Chicago Cubs to various teams. And, you know, shout out to the other Cubs who were traded. All seem like great guys. But these three, um, you know, 
built the franchise the last decade from the source of losers or, you know, the lovablest of losers mm-hmm. um, to World Series champions. And, uh, you know, I think they, you know, if getting traded is one thing, but getting traded in the manner that they did and with the writing so clearly on the wall because a very wealthy man refused to pay. At some point, I think, um, you know, I, I wish these owners would realize, you know, I know I know they're all obviously in it for the money and, you know, the business venture because sports teams have exploded in value the last 10 to 15 years. But they are very much civic ventures um, and I don't really care. Obviously, you know, every sports fan wants their team to win. But you also want them and would hope, even though this hope's always dashed like it was yesterday. Well, it wasn't dashed. It was smothered forever um people to be seemingly you know you, you don't know obviously all the behind the scenes at uh, work at play but right. to be treated well and you know rewarded for their service and performance uh, i'm not saying that they need to sign people to idiotic contracts but you know, don't lowball people. Honestly, it's kind of similar. My gripe is similar to Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, and I never hmm. thought I'd say that. How the treatment of veterans, and this doesn't, this doesn't solely apply to the Cubs, but all teams, uh, I imagine, um, have done this or will do this for sure. Um, you know, don't lowball or not offer contracts to players who have put in work and benefited you the owner in the city and the fans especially who are loved um or give them their due before you let them leave and none of that seemed to well they seem to have been lowballed and they also weren't given their due and love before they were traded uh so i just think uh, you know it's probably objectively in a cold cold hard light of day a good baseball move that they did it and chose mm-hmm. one path and didn't half-ass it but I just don't like the way it was done. And, I mean, I think it for a team that you know claimed new ownership and all that jazz 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was, treating the players well, I would imagine if you're a young Cub that it's hard to see if someone like Anthony Rizzo gets treated like this, which is poorly from my perspective, with all the work he did outside of the team as well. That's the other thing. Like, it's right. not like these guys were bad guys by any stretch. Um, that what, like, what's the point of obviously you want to do well for yourself so you can secure money for your family. But if you're doing all this work, both for the team individually on the field and off the field, and then, you know, you just get flipped at the drop of a hat with no, you know, kind of gratitude on the way out. I mean, it's kind of just a, a a tough relationship to build. Um, if yeah. You know. Well, what what's the what's the the probability, uh, if any, if if one or two or three of them could resign with the Cubs? I mean, I'd like them back. I mean, yeah, they. You know, I mean, Chris is. I mean, they're all still still good in some capacity. They're not at their heights that they once were, or at least haven't been. But they're all young enough where I think they can still be good and useful players. But um, I would love to have him back, but at the same time, I'll always remember John Lester. Mm-hmm. The reason, every, I mean, everyone thought when he was traded from the Red Sox, he was going to obviously just go back to the Red Sox. The Red Sox thought that. But then he's on record as saying when he was traded to Oakland, that was the first time 
he realized, you know, the kind of the world is out there, so he can go yeah. anywhere. So, and that's how he ended up on the Cubs. So, when all all these players have said, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say no to the idea of resigning with the Cubs, but there's no guarantee. They just were, you know, shipped out. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and agent Scott Boris will will ratchet up the market. It's already a a, a strong market for Chris Bryant, but he will have it at a premium for sure. Yeah, and you know what? Deservedly so. The Cubs yep. aren't going to yep. pay him. I hope they get yep. their money and yep. are treated better uh, than. And I think uh, good old Tommy Ricketts released a whopping like six sentence thank you to them. Um, so uh, you know, don't show up at Wrigley for a few years, Tom. Um, <laughs> and that's that's or at least you know show up when it's bad and good, not just when your players are winning you World Series. Um, so that's all I have to say about all them right. publicly. All right. So okay. that, for right. me, wraps up episode 22. Do you have anything else that everyone should Good. know about? Good. No, no, please sign us out. All right. Well, before we go, uh, as always, thank you to our sponsors, Dojos. Um, I will All right. be seeing uh, that the founder, CEO, CFO, COO, other C-suite <laughs> positions uh, shortly, and uh, we'll be also celebrating him a week after for his bachelor party and then also loop wear or is it loop apparel truly i apologize i never remember let's go loop wear loop wear they just, they just celebrated their first anniversary congrats to them honor about first uh-huh. anniversary loop Bonus. wear yes shout out to you um and uh me undies mm-hmm. that's all i'm gonna say and well i guess don't sue us i'll say that too and quiznos Mm-mm. We've made it this far. Probably give us actual money now. Quiznos, thank you. So that wraps up our 22nd episode. And uh, that's it. All right. So long, farewell. Uh, and goodbye. goodbye. Cheers. Okay.